And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal, the full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show, presented by RIA Advisors. Good morning. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday. I'm Rich Rosso, Certified Financial Planner, here with Danny Ratliff, Certified Financial Planner, Squared. We're happy you're with us. Futures are down this morning. Things have been a little uh, <coughs> turbulent. Danny, I think as the Fed keeps pounding into the market and these numbers seem to be better than usual and inflation might be a little bit more stubborn than usual, uh, markets might be in the mode of good news is bad news. Yeah, and that's that's not uncommon in this environment. I mean, looking at what they're trying to do, anytime that we're getting better economic data than anticipated, and, and, and I use that word better probably a little too loosely in the sense that, you know, obviously inflation, that's not necessarily great in this environment with this much inflation. Well, it is. And you have a lot of Fed representatives that were saying we should have gone 50 basis points. James Bullard, yeah, he's out now saying that he he can't rule out a 50 basis point hike in March. And and honestly, the Tuesday before this last meeting, Mm -hmm. the market ran Monday and Tuesday. I thought, oh, man, I think they're going to shock the market. Maybe they should have. I think they should have. Um, it's persistent. Obviously, we could say, I, I hate to say it, um, some of the product inflation is transitory to some degree. Although embedded in the PPI, the cost of goods, if you look at the product, um, if you look at some of the costs of product, those are also still higher. So even some of the inflation when it comes to products, uh, goods, is still there. But obviously, this is really a service inflation issue. And I think, Danny, and we talked to so many small and mid-sized businesses, this one, this inflation, is going to be a tough one to crack, especially with the way the labor force participation rate is and where unemployment is. So um, the, the blunt hammer that the Fed is using, they're going to have to keep pounding. And I think there's some talk where you're going to see short-term rates well exceed Five and a half percent. I've heard some some pundits yesterday talking about closer to six. So I don't know where, what the magic number is, but that service inflation is well embedded until there's a change in the labor force and how we work. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's going to be a lot more stubborn than people anticipate, and you know, it is transitory. So let's let's be real. It is. It's always transitory. Everything's transitory. It's always moving. It However, it's just moving way slower than what they anticipated or they wanted. And that's the problem. Well, because they want to be observant and they see certain numbers. But I look, if you go to the Atlanta Fed, you look at the wage tracker, you look at the sticky price index. Those prices on the sticky prices, um, they haven't really moved. Um, they have been very sticky and those prices need to come down. Those are longer term kind of issues with wages and rents and and I understand that there's a lot of contractual inflation that'll eventually go away but you know I'm even starting to see housing market improve as interest rates have come down so I don't know um I think for the market it's going to be dangerous 
I think this move, this front loading we've had, I think we're going to lose most of this rally. Uh, interestingly enough, you know, ex uh, international investments really came out of the gate strong. But then when you look at it, U.S. is still ruling the roost. Yeah. So uh, it was interesting to see that U.S. stocks um, have beaten the world, the, uh, the FTSE World Index, by 5%. Um, that's... Um, you know, this was going to be maybe the year of international. And I thought so myself, but it seems like USA <laughs> yeah, it, is still where it's going. So well, it's, it's interesting. You know, you hear all the dynamic. I th everybody comes out with these, these, what do you want to call them, cute words. It's a slow session. It's just really slow. We, we come up with a good um, one. We call it the muck, the muck session. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're in the muck. <laughs> well, and I saw one yesterday, or, or maybe it was this morning. I mm -hmm. can't remember. Um, talking about it's the rich session. What the richer being hit? I'm like, wait a second. That's not really a fair assessment, because you look at the average consumer savings rates have declined substantially. You look at credit card balances up. I mean, all the things we've talked about. Yeah. And I think that the the lower end is really getting crunched, and I don't know that we're we're accounting for that enough because you think about it, you you've spent you, down all the all the funds that you had. Yeah. All the stimulus money is gone. That's right. And now you're on credit cards, right? And you're on credit cards, which with higher, higher debt, higher credit interest. So your your profit margins and your household are decreasing. Not to mention things are just much more expensive. I think people are getting getting hurt a lot more than what we're being told or what we're maybe, seeing at least. So maybe far. it's they're saying this from an employment perspective because Danny, we've been talking about this that if it's going to be contraction. It's more of the white collar jobs. It's going to be more of the white collar, right? Correct. Because if you're the guy working in the restaurant, uh, the way restaurant spending, when you look at the CPI, look at food away from home. I mean, these components of dining and leisure are still very, very strong. So maybe that's what they're talking about is if you're working as a client-facing individual at a, at a, at a service business – you're most likely, they're most likely desperate to keep you. You're yeah. probably not going to lose your job. But if you're some middle manager or some white collar, and listen, we saw it, we see it in Silicon Valley. Now, I'm not crying any tears. Um, these are high qualified people. They'll find other jobs. But Well, they uh, are. That's the, that's the kicker. Yeah. They're all finding other jobs and mm -hmm. they're doing so quickly. So for a smaller business in those areas, we have a client who, who lives out there and, and a CEO of a startup. And he's like, man, this is great. He said, the issue is everybody who gets laid off finds a job quickly. It's good for the, for the little guys. Yeah, and, but to the stock market, jobs are bad. Un, you know, low unemployment, people working are not a good thing. Um, and we understand, and we always say it, you don't fight the Fed. Well, we have to remember those companies as well, though. They were also hiring like crazy during the pandemic because what was everybody doing? All these tech companies, how they want to get their information out? What were they doing to bolster their workforce in an environment that they could take advantage of, and they did. Mm -hmm. So they, they may have been a little top-heavy from a headcount perspective. Yeah, well, you see it in financial firms, right? Uh, some financial firms are reducing headcount. And Goldman Sachs stopped their coffee service, all their fancy coffee service, so when you walk into Hold a on, they got a coffee I'm service? I'm so sorry for you. I'm what does so that look like? It's a cart. My like coffee's made at home out of a pot. We, we're not doing something right. We're not living right, Rich. They, before you walk into Goldman's office in New York, they have a, 
And, and you know, New York is full of food carts and coffee yeah. carts, but this one is exclusively for the Goldman employees. And they have a golden cart, and you're able to get your coffee before you get into the office. So but does that, somebody make this for you, or is it just one of those? No, it's someone's there serving you. You got a, your own personal barista? It's yes. a Goldman barista. It's a Goldman yeah. barista. And yeah, now, there's yeah. no I more. I like it, though. You can't have it. It's so tough out there. Show like you're gonna cry like a little girl if you don't get someone else to make you coffee. So we are seeing maybe this oh. rich session kind of thing that uh, I've got to find that article. Um, that sounds like an interesting perspective, but we talk about it all the time. Maybe that's what it is. But there's all kinds of names for it. It's muck. It's mucky. It's all mucked up. We get back, there's some cute thing I'm supposed to say about it. Don't fall behind in retirement and look forward or whatever. But Brent will cue me in later. When we return here on Financial Fitness Friday, stay tuned. Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. So, Danny, I think we know each other long enough where I can ask you this question. Oh, my. <laughs> How are your underwear? What? They're good. Why? Do you realize that Alan Greenspan used to have used men's underwear as an economic bellwether, right? So the theory was that underwear was a necessity. Now, today, I don't think it is, right? Because you had all this fancy underwear. You got Tommy John's and boo, 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 and all this kind of stuff. But when, the econ when there's economic anxiety, men will not replace their underwear that's already in their drawer, right? So it causing, causes sales to dip. So he would actually look at, wait for the economy to bounce back before you, you know, invest in a new pair of underwear. I will tell you, in some houses, there's been an ongoing recession for probably Brent's house since 1975. But so, <laughs> you know, so Greenspan had all these indicators. I don't think that would work today. I don't think we could have an underwear. Well, it depends on who you are, right? Like for me, it's it's a it's not a want. It's a need. Well, he said it's a necessity. It's, it's a necessity. Yeah, but you might yeah. get holes in it. You know, the the elastic well, men are probably more likely to say, yeah, well, you overlook a hole. I think men will do that regardless of the Correct. economy. Don't That's you? what I'm thinking. Yeah. Like, I buy them when I absolutely need them. Because Me too. Like, if you're cheap, yeah. not, not even cheap, but good with your money. Like, But, dude, I, I might actually had to. We've talked about this. Uh -oh. I had to buy some new underwear. And you're right. It is ridiculous. You see the I'm price of a, underwear? Talk about, somebody said something about welding. Hell, I'm taking up knitting. <laughs> 
Well, you crazy. got like Tommy John <laughs> and all these fancy underwear. And I just go right for the Fruit of the Loom, which is trying to copy Tommy John. Yeah. But it's just not as, you know, it's that's not the same price. You so could rig up a loom in your garage, Danny. You could. And, the, could. and Start the weaving it yourself. Yeah. Not a bad idea. The underwear indicator. So if you look at the sales of male underpants, <laughs> it's it's been, how can it not be more than just a flat line? And then maybe it beeps up once in a while, right? But you bring up a good point, But too, there are occasions when it does dip. And yeah. then they say that the economy is going into a pants session, underpants session. So, so what is it right now? Well, I don't know. Oh, I thought you had some. No, no, I don't have the underwear index. Uh, but we have to see. All right, I'm going to find it. It fell in 2008 and 9, I will tell you that. Uh huh. Like men's underwear look like Swiss cheese, probably, during, <laughs> uh, during 2008 and 9. Compliance, uh, tech department. I'm, mm. I, I'm, I'm actually nervous what's going to come up when I start Googling. Underwear? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Men's underwear. What? Uh, Tommy John? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm Maybe just saying is that, you know, you there's it, all Rich. these funny. They're used to your, there's your browser all these indicators. But, right. but what does it say when you've got all these different brands that have emerged? Like I it don't used think to be, when Mr. Greenspan mm, was in. Yeah, uh, it used to be Fruit of the Loom and JCPenney and all those we guys. But Hanes. now you've got Hanes, Tommy John's, uh, Jockey, and they're all advertising, too, if you notice that. I don't well, you're bringing up the brands that when Greenspan was around. I mean, they're still around. Yeah. Haynes and like Haynes trades on the mar- on the on the stock market, but you know they come up now with all this fancy, Under super Armour. fancy underwear. Under, yeah, Tommy yeah. John, Under Armour, right? So I don't know uh, if this is as good of an indicator as when Greenspan used. To. And I remember listening to Greenspan on TV mm-hmm. when I first started, and they would talk about this. Underwear indicator, so that's why I was compelled to. But Danny is a terrible indicator for that because, and I am probably too, because I'm not going to buy them unless I absolutely need them, and I'm not really worried about the economic cycle. Well, when you do a, a report on this, just publish it a brief. <laughs> I will. Danny's, oh. Yeah, this is interesting. This is Danny's, <laughs> Danny's search history, you better yeah. delete that when you leave. But what is it? Is, is there a new update to the underwear index? Well, I couldn't, this is an old article. It's from yeah. May of this last year, but it, it goes a lot further, right? We always heard the lipstick uh, indicator. Um, they actually break down a lot of beauty products, like self-care, things that you do at home. And I'm just shocked at actually the price of some of this stuff, like men's grooming. The average price is twenty five fifty four. Um, For what? Haircuts? Yeah, I, I don't know. Haircuts? I, I'm not sure what. I need to go find and dig into the definition. Okay, here. So let me know if underwear confidence is rising. There's a there's joke a in there somewhere. There's a new indicator, too, a, a new category. <laughs> I was going to say something, but I won't. Men's care. There is. Yes. I saw an ad on, on one of these monitors back here. Manscaping is a thing. It is a thing. Yeah. It is a thing. Huh. Shave everything. So the manscape indicator. There's a manscape indicator, but they're, they're saying the underwear confidence is rising. The underwear indicator. Yeah, this data only goes up to 15 from 05 to 15, and it looks like it was increasing, albeit rather slowly. Um, I suppose that makes sense. Hmm. It's amazing what. Oh, this is really fancy economics. <laughs> well, again, I don't know. I uh, just wanted to. There's a Big Mac index. Yes, there is the Big Mac index. <laughs> And Greenspan uh, always had his briefcase. Like, we had the briefcase. If he had the briefcase or not, there was always an indicator. So there was all kinds of indicators that Greenspan spawned. That, uh, the dry cleaning index. The dry cleaning index. But again, nobody wears really clothes that get dry cleaned anymore, do they? I mean, I, I wear 
I mean, yeah, I mean, shirts. but not. I don't think in the same volume. People are not working in the office as much. True. So yeah. if I'm wearing, yes. and I'm not wearing a certain sh- shirt and tie like I did. I had that conversation this week with Michelle. I need to dry clean because I I iron all our shirts. One, they last longer, and two, I'm not paying somebody two bucks to iron a shirt. Right. But yeah. and you know it's done right. But man, there's many days. Early mornings, it sure would be nice. <laughs> Late nights, early mornings, they were in together, man. It's tough sometimes. Yeah. Well, so. isn't, uh, isn't James tall enough to do that now? <laughs> Child yeah, labor. Yeah, I'm not sure I trust him with an iron <laughs> quite yet. <laughs> he came in here and punched all my buttons over the weekend, so I figured... He didn't, but he wanted to make you think he did. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he really did. That, I was, think, that was hilarious. I think he was giving you a, a little humor oh, there. Oh, yeah. That's oh, their yeah. rule. You but it was not cu- go in here. But it was cute, though. I stick him in Connie's office. Dear Brent. I accidentally pushed all your buttons. Accidentally. Accidentally. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of children, we're going to have a Raising Money Smart Kids um, coming up Lunch and Learn on February 23rd at noon. Now, we'll tell you, we're going to handle this in a very different way. We want to help you with tips, but we're going to be using the money scripts. Do your children have different emotional presets to how they treat money? Money avoidance, money worship, money status, money vigilance. And do you... Where do you fall on this? So we're going to talk about it, give you tips, uh, games, books, different things to create conversation so that you can raise money smart kids. I will tell you basically that boomers are not really good with money. When you look at the median retirement savings of just 144000 Danny, when Americans are living longer. We know this story, Right. I couldn't believe I actually heard Lance say on the radio the other day, Danny, you have clients that have 500000 or clients that have $10 million and one Because Lance is always telling you you need like $30 bajillion to retire, but you may not. But we know one thing, $144,000 is not enough. <laughs> right? So that, that when you look at the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Spending patterns among that of the baby boomer generation range between 48000 and 49000 a year. So, Danny, you know, it doesn't have to be so hopeless when it comes to that. Matter of fact, if you look at some of the other generations like Gen Zs, they are, even though they're behind, they are savers. So we're seeing younger generations starting to put money away sooner. And also, here's the thing that and I know you want to learn this from a Gen Z, but they 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 spend less. They don't need as much stuff as a boomer, and they want to retire sooner. Yeah, even I, if they have to work odd jobs and do certain things, like they may not, they may still be active, but they don't. You know, this whole career thing for them, I don't know. Generally speaking, is not. And important. I think the pandemic may have had a big mind sh- shift in in thought as far as what people expected or when they wanted to retire. I mean, we know typically it was it was much later, but I'm hearing a lot more in financial plans. People saying, "Hey." 55 is the number. And that seems to be something that people are falling on more, more often than not as mm. of recent. Um, okay. But, yeah, so I, I love that because I think that, look, if it's going to encourage you and you're going to have a goal and it's going to, going to encourage you to make good decisions all along the way, fantastic. Um, you know, even if it doesn't come to fruition, because what I will tell you is that I have a lot of clients, too, that say, hey, it's going to be 55, but then they end up, they may retire for a bit, go back to work, or they just decide, you know what? I'm loving what I'm doing right now. I'm going to keep doing this. Yeah, why not? So I can't. Yeah, what cool, what's, you brought up the cool part. The cool part of someone that has done a financial plan. And I think that 
you have to do the plan to figure out what your lifestyle is going to look at look like even if you're not happy with the results because it shows that you need to catch up and i will tell you you don't use the risk in the market to catch up that's not the way to do it okay you don't use you know you don't gamble in the casino it's it's going to take some effort on your side whether it's working longer living smaller really reassessing what makes you happy outside of money um and there are people that are doing it um overall so to your point yes um I have, there are clients that have done plans and they feel, you know, I, st I like what I do. Yeah. And I there is this retirement clock. I will tell you, there's, there's this internal retirement clock I will, that, re that people have when they are done. When they are totally done. They know. They w their gut's going to tell them. But if they're making good money or they're working, um, you know, they're doing consulting and they have flexible schedules and they're still bringing in cash flow to the household, even though they don't need to. It keeps them healthy and social. So obviously, there are many ways to try to make the most if you haven't saved enough for retirement. And one of those things is to make a, a good decision with Social Security. How and when you take it will matter. Working longer will matter. Um, downsize the scaling of what you were thinking about doing in retirement, replacing certain hobbies that are not as expensive with hobbies that, uh, that you wanted to do. That doesn't mean you're unhappy, but 144000 is median retirement savings, right? When life expectancy has been increasing is not a good mix. Also might need that you may need more guaranteed income to supplement your Social Security so that you don't outlive your money. All right, we'll be back here on Financial Fitness Friday. Stay tuned. advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com we teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too but raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you our next ria lunch and learn will dwell upon this topic because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. You're listening to The Real Investment Show. And we are back. Welcome to Financial Fitness Friday, Mr. Ratliff, Rich Rosso, we're here to give you the scoop on things. Although Dow Futures 159 points down, S&P Futures down 28. Uh, you know, I think the Fed is starting to spook things up. Aren't we waiting for, um, well, we got housing starts today. We've got PPI final demand for January. Um, Initial jobless claims, Philly Fed index, 
So we've got some data today. We'll see how it uh, all transpires. But obviously, the Fed, based on these numbers, inflation numbers, and retail sales, however you slice it, pretty strong. I understand when you got to look at real versus nominal, people are spending more for less goods, but people are spending. And they are spending on services, and they're going out. So, you know, Danny, there's this fever still. And I understand numbers get revised, but these are not the numbers we would expect to see at this point of Fed tightening. And that means perhaps the market needs to price in 50 basis points on the next move. I, I don't think you can discount that at all. Do you? No, I don't think that's out of the question. And this week, we're getting a pretty good preview as far as what the Fed's thinking. They're trying to to telegraph this as much as possible. I mean, we've had a lot of Fed speakers come out. Um, today, we have uh, President Barkin, Richmond Fed Chair, uh, mm -hmm. Fed Governor Bowman speaks. Mm -hmm. I, I've got to think that they're going to reiterate probably what Bullard said. Even if they don't do it, just to, to bring this thing back to reality in some, some way. And look, I mean, we can make that argument. And we, we have these discussions, especially when people are asking. They're concerned. We are, too, about where this thing is going. I mean, there's quite a conundrum going on from a technical and fundamental perspective. And in this environment, we have to be cautious because the market is looking out ahead of the economy. We also have to remember that most of this information we're getting, number one, it's in the rearview mirror. Number two, it's likely going to be revised at some point. And at that point, how much does it matter? Mm -hmm. Once you get that revision in, what, six months down the road? Market doesn't care. Yeah. At that point, we're, we're, we're so far past it at that point. We're going to say, well, yep, it's what we thought. Or maybe, maybe it's different. But yeah, I, I could see them certainly coming out being a little bit more aggressive here. I don't think that the thesis has changed, however, in the sense that at some point, it's going to be detrimental, right? We're still waiting for a lot of this to really flow through to the economy. These higher rates, these rate mm -hmm. hikes they've been doing. I mean, we also have to remember that this has been one of the fastest rate hiking expeditions that they've gone on. I mean, this has not been, and they, they were so fine, far behind the curve. Well, then the velocity of the move, yeah. Correct. Was, they didn't have the opportunity to slowly do this. And, and, you know, we can make an argument that this was mishandled from a monetary policy issue. I mean, fiscal policy. We can, we can make a lot of arguments here. But we are where we are for a number of reasons. What they're going to do about it is I think they're going to have to go a little bit longer. But I still do believe that they're going to stall. They're going to cut. It just may not be as quick as what the market was hoping. Uh, yeah, I don't, and again, anything could happen here, but I don't see a pivot by the end of the year. I don't see the Fed coming out there and cutting rates so quickly. Yeah, and I don't um, think they're going to get substantially higher. I mean, I, we are seeing inflation come down. It's just not as quick as what the market well, yeah, was expecting. yeah, and I don't know what takes down the service inflation. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I mean, it just seems that people want to spend, and I don't see how you as a business you still don't have enough leverage to maybe pay people less and if you pay you've already raised the bar to pay them you're not going to take the money back um food costs are still high right so these costs have to be passed down to us so i don't really know with many businesses um how, how this service inflation gets worked out so i think the fed's going to have to move maybe bigger 
Um, maybe for longer. Maybe they still keep it at 25 basis points, but there are just more rate hikes that they're going to continue to do. Um, but it's like you said, it's not because of what happened post-pandemic and employment. It's going to be a challenge to see how much of this it's going to take to pull some of that inflation and sort of tilt the leverage back to the employer from the employee. And I think in some businesses you have seen it. But in most service businesses that we talk to and what we read, that's not the case yet. That's yeah, not I, the case. I think right now executives and small business owners are, are really facing a, an issue in the sense of trying to plan for 2023 has been extremely difficult. Yes, it and, absolutely has. You know, last year we can argue that we, we had a perfect storm in so many ways. I mean, you look at all the headwinds that, that we had to face, um, you know, multiple just kind of coming together all at once. And, you know, the likelihood is there, there's going to be some things that, that we finally have behind us. But I, I think that the main issue at the moment is the Fed. It is. And if this market can just trade in a range, in some ways it feels like it wants to go higher, right? It, 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 there, it looks resilient later in the day. You know, it's bad news, but it looks measured on the downside. Like, everybody doesn't want to miss out. I think you still have this fear of missing out. Yeah, volume and timing have, has really been interesting in yeah, this, this I think market. So. You're know, looking at it on a day-to-day basis, right? You're yeah. going to sell off in the morning. It gets a little bit better throughout the day. Yep. Buyers are coming back into the market. So uh, do you make the argument, we haven't seen capitulation yet? No, we haven't. Um, I mean, I thought it, at a couple of points maybe we had, but now I'm not so sure. So I don't know what's worse. I don't know if you if a contraction is worse than a stagflation, rich recession, whatever you know, whatever name you want to put the muck. I don't know if with all the debt we've taken on and the debt service, and it's not just us; it's across the globe, that portends to lower productivity, lower growth. We're spending all this money to get one and a half percent growth. It doesn't make sense. We're not anywhere near long-term averages. So, and again, it's not just us uh, that, that's in this, this muck. So I don't know what takes us out of it. And that's going to be a um, frustrating experience for investors. So you have to try to focus on what you can control. You can control how much risk. You can control how much you save. You can control how much you manage the cost of your household. There is so much more you can control than you can't, although sometimes it doesn't feel that way when you're an investor because you're focused so much on the portfolio and what positions you're doing, but you're not stepping back and looking at all the things that you can control. Hey, listen, I've talked to some people even with the portfolio. They're like, you know what? Um... I'm going I'm to stay underweight in stocks. I understand it may not be a recession this year, um, but I'm comfortable because of the risk I'm willing to take right now. So I, I'm not out of the market, which is great. We tell people don't do the all in, all out. I'm not out, but I used to be at 70 80%. I feel more comfortable now at 40 to 50 And I'm like, listen, if that, if that prevents you from trying to time markets, yet you're still participating. And what we're noticing, Danny, and I've looked at the charts yesterday, we are seeing this break in connection or correlations between stocks and bonds. Now, I don't know with some of the numbers coming out, maybe stocks and bonds move together again like they did last year, but 
for the most part, through this year so far, stocks and bonds are delinked. That's been important. I don't know. Again, if these numbers continue to be hot, maybe yields go up, bond prices fall, and stock prices fall. So we're going to have to wait and see how the, if uh, that real connection we saw last year that made the 60-40 portfolio make you want to puke will be the same this year. All right. So end of last year, a mm-hmm. lot of pundits coming out and economists saying, hey, 60-40 is now still in vogue, but you switch to 60 and the 40, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. 60 is not stocks to to bonds, the 60 is bonds to stocks. Correct. I think Goldman even said, did it? One, some of the big houses were talking yeah. about that, right? And, and, I, and I think that and argument's I, not dead. No. No, I don't. I mean, if, if I mean, because the intention <clears throat> is to slow down the economy. It's just been obstinate, right? But it is the goal. And if that's correct, then intermediate long-term yields should continue to fall. <clears throat> and matter of fact, there are a lot of people buying treasuries. And that's great. 4.7%, three to six months, no brainer, right? I'm not taking any risk. I get my money back. If I'm a saver, I don't have this financial repression over me where I'm just giving money to the government. I'm getting nothing back. I'm getting something. <clears throat> but what about, especially if you're buying individual bonds, you go out a little bit on the yield curve thinking that the Fed is going to hit their objective. They are going to slow growth. Well, we can argue about hard landing or soft landing because the, the money's on the soft landing. Uh, but what if I laddered out a little bit longer on the curve, thinking that eventually that longer end is going to continue to fall, because that's a function of inflation, and that is a function of economic growth. And if I do think I'm going to be into a disinflation mode, <clears throat> and longer-term rates are going to continue to fall, now if I go out four, and I'm not talking about going out 20, 30 years, Talking about what if I ladder bonds out seven or eight years? Maybe I'm getting five, five and a half. And I know maybe I'm getting as good on the short term, but I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that in your bond ladder. No, I don't think so. Had a conversation with a client yesterday and exactly that. And huh. said, listen, I love these three to six month yields. I mean, we're talking about 4.78 right. to 5% this morning. But I know that's for only a short period of time, likely. And mm-hmm. I do believe that this plays out. I like the flexibility put money back in the stocks but i also think that i can go out a little bit longer on the yield curve lock these rates in even if i don't catch the top yep have that appreciation and then still have the flexibility to put back in equities yeah makes sense and, and he's still in equities by yeah. the way but just thinking it out thinking a little bit differently about it absolutely gotta stay try to stay a step ahead we'll be right back Daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. We teach our kids the alphabet and all the colors too. But raising our kids to be money smart is really up to you. Our next RIA Lunch and Learn will dwell upon this topic because teaching kids to manage their coins puts money in their pockets. Join Ratliff and Rosso February 23rd for the How to Raise Money Smart Kids Lunch and Learn. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. Realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. 
And welcome back. So we, we, we recently did um, I Candid Coffee on financial infidelity. Um, and it was really, you know, not to, not to be nefarious, you know, and, and, you know. I know it sounds bad, but it's just about how you can be money aware for each other. Everybody's got a different money script, money language. Hopefully you get that settled out before you get married. But um, you want to have this discussion around how money is being spent. So, Danny, that was a pretty good, <clears throat> I think, set of tips we have given everybody. I think that is up on the YouTube channel. Now, you all may not be interested in that, but you may have children that have just gotten married, about to get married, that they should really look for these. We give you some ideas of how each... Spouse should talk to each other, boundaries around spending, communication around spending, um, very important. So <clears throat> I think, um, I mean, I really like those tips. I mean, I think setting boundaries on how much you're going to spend outside of each other's joint account, you know, your joint expenses makes a lot of sense, right? The discretionary fund stuff that you might have in your, as an, not an allowance, that's a terrible word to say, but hey, maybe I can spend 50 to 100 bucks uh, on myself and then I don't have to really let my spouse know because we've agreed upon this, right? I mean, how do you all do it? I mean, yeah. me and the dogs have this discussion. They just keep wanting me to spend on bones. So Treats, treats, treats. Treats and treats. Yeah. That's all they care about. Well, I think each, each family's probably, or, well, I know it's different. Um, we, we see it frequently and I think you need to get that where is it that um, you feel comfortable and mm -hmm. you know with our household it's it's a tad bit different in some ways right because um I, michelle has the authority that if she needs to it's a necessity mm -hmm. she can go make a big decision because we're working a lot right now right but you categorize it as this is a necessity right this is something that's absolutely required this is not a discretionary thing this is important right this yeah. is a big thing that is needed by the kids right and correct so, but you also have very similar money that money virtue in other words you both think alike about money it's not like one's a spender one is a saver you're aligned yeah that, i think it makes it easier for you to do that because you are aligned i'm more prone to spend than she is yeah wow yeah no i mean it, it that's just that's the truth of it i mean she She's extremely frugal, and I'm I am so blessed with it. And you know, it's I, good to have that by seeing yep. this, and and you know, and I think this makes marriage a lot easier as well. Um, but we do have these conversations. I think that's extremely important to make sure that you're on the same page. You're having some types of meetings that you know there's a good understanding of what goes on. And there's so many different reasons, right? I mean, one we talk about the financial infidelity that a lot of people have, and the risk that it puts people into. Um, as a household, I mean, you hear some horror stories. Terrible stories, yeah. About people just making dumb moves or going, hey, and even from an investment standpoint, I think you could take it even deeper, Rich, where you may have a spouse who has a very high-risk appetite and is willing to put all the chips into the middle of the table yep. on something that's extremely speculative, which we see that cause major issues as well. But the, it the, does. the main thing historically, though, is it's just spending. And, and how do you set those parameters? And is it that it's $100? Is it four or $500? It's going to vary for each household depending on income, uh, overall debt, net worth. Um, you know, some, some households, it's much higher. It is. It just but, depends. And like you said, it depends, too, on 
knowing each other's money personalities. And the only way you and you and Michelle know that is you discuss this stuff. It's and I think a lot of the younger generations, even some of the younger boomers, yep. are aligned to do that. <clears throat> I mean, I meet when I meet with younger couples, they both are involved. I love that. A lot of the older boomers, it's a little different. There's always one party that seems to be more interested. And I have to be the one that says, listen, I understand your husband or your wife are not handling the finances. We're not coming up with these decisions to select a financial advisor or how to manage money, but they need to talk to us. They need to know who we are and what we do and talk to them in their language of what it's important to them outside of the money and that if something happened to you, they know who we are. Well, the, the, so I, I there's got to be some level of engagement. I think that's really important, right? So, so we do find that there's a lot more comfortable uh, people. Obviously, you've had more experience. You've understood where your roles are in the household. What mm -hmm. you know, One person may do one thing. And I find that a lot of times they're, they are more confident in many ways. But the problem is, and, and look, let's face it, we're not, we're blessed in the sense that we're not dealing with the uh, the average household that it's only saved one hundred forty thousand dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different in that aspect. So well, maybe some cases we have, but they're younger. Yeah. they're younger and they're good savers. Correct but to your point. Yeah, but and I'm talking more of the older generations mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think that the the big thing that you just mentioned is a lot of times there's just no idea where the funds are, what they're doing, how they're operating, and many times funds are spread out in multiple areas. And if something, God forbid, happened to this person who's typically handling it, the other person would have no clue. And right. that's where they get in trouble when somebody becomes incapacitated, somebody dies. Big, big issues, right? Yes. And then, you know, we see many problems that are associated with that. And not, not only just, you know, where are the funds and how do you access them? Are you even on the account? Are there beneficiaries set up? I mean, these are simple things. They are, but to have the time to set aside. <clears throat> Where's the online presence? Yeah. That's a big one. That is a big one. <clears throat> That's a very big one. Um, so interesting. I was on years ago when I first started working on Fox and Channel and KPRC and all that. They had me on to discuss dating tips, dating financial things. Like if you're dating, what kind of questions you ask? And I'm like, listen, you're asking for trouble here. Like I'm a money guy. Like I... <laughs> You know, it's not, no, we want it from a financial perspective. I said, okay. So I'm on this panel, and they said, okay, Rich, what questions would you ask? Maybe not on a first date, but a second date. And I said, what's your credit score? Oh, you're getting deep quick. And, well, well, in other words, um, I don't Will want, you please fill out this application? Yeah, listen. And you made it past the first test. Okay. I was validated yesterday. I'm going to get to that point. You get to go to round two. But everybody's like, what? What? How dare you? I'm like, a good credit score tells you a lot about a person's fiscal responsibility and their, and their, their discipline for delayed gratification, right? It's good fiscal habits. And if that, do that doesn't, and listen, <clears throat> I'm happy to share my credit scores too. So I also brought that up after I got yelled at. I'm not hiding mine. Show me yours. We're going to show each other stuff on the second date, but it's not what you think. It's credit scores. So yesterday I read a story about a girl who uh, I guess is a service called Hinge, like Tinder or whatever. She gets more dates. You know how she gets the dates? And she's a very attractive younger woman, young woman. But do you know how she gets dates? No. 
She posts her credit score. She puts her credit score on her profile. And I thought that was genius. She attracts guys that, which she dates, that say, oh, this is great. Um, I, I love the fact that you're so responsible. So oh, man, words, it's fantastic. I, so she's actually getting a lot more dates by, and it's not like she's putting out her social security number. Come on. It's not like, because people were telling me years ago, oh, that's so confidential. No, she it's not. She better be not. careful. She may be, they may be looking for a sugar mama, right? Right, right. Like, that's another thing she's got. No, yeah, no. She's got to be careful because, oh, man, I can't wait to wreck that score, baby. Um, so <laughs> I'm going to score all right, but not what you oh, think. Man. I'm going to take that credit score down to 500. So, um, but for the most important part is she's attracting a different quality of date because maybe the other person on the other side doesn't really want to bring that question up. So she gets it out, and then the, the guys are willing to share, hey, you know, I'm really good with money, too. And I think that that's, I mean, when you're first starting out, you better be aligned. Well, that's really nice. So I thought that was a genius yeah. uh, story. I it, thought that was a great idea. It's a good way to get that front and center without coming out with your, you know, your application. You made it to round two. And um, it's, I, I like that, right? Because you're getting it out front and center. You're going to have those discussions probably pretty early on in the relationship and determine if this is something that, you know, you'd want to do moving forward. Listen, life happens. Life happens. And credit scores can get dinged for all kinds of reasons. But generally speaking, I think having a good credit score says a lot about who you are. Yeah. Your responsibilities, right? You have, what are you going to say Well, there the next story? reality show could be FICO Island. <laughs> there you go. I, I like really, it. I would watch that one. <laughs> Trademark it. Yeah. Just saying. Well, but I mean, I, I, probably different than most just from what we do, but I, I can remember dating a young lady for a bit minute and uh, <laughs> she was very attractive. I thought very smart, but she couldn't balance a checkbook. Well, lots of kids can figure out that. Well, I know. I mean, this is early twenties, but at the same token, it was, it was a major red flag for me. And I was like, yeah, uh, that says a lot. And hold on. And then you money. start, you start yeah. looking like, Hey, hold on. You bought this, this, and this, and you're doing, wait a second. This isn't going to add up. This is not going to work. Mm-hmm. But Money. not to switch gears too too much. Right. You mentioned earlier. You yeah. said, "Go ahead." What what about what's the magic number for somebody to put? Say, okay, without having to discuss with your partner, your spouse, I'm going to spend a hundred bucks. Oh, you mean on my own? Like yeah, discretionary fun stuff money. But the other okay. problem that I think people run into is the frequency of that. So some people may say, "Well, hundred bucks? Shoot, I do a hundred bucks a day or a hundred bucks a week." Oh, no, that's a good point. So you, you wanna, need to have that yeah. conversation, too. Like, hey, hold on here. Hey, not $100 a day, buddy. Yeah. What are you doing over there? Right? Correct. So I just hope you guys out for dating this weekend. All right? I'm helping you to score. Credit-wise, that is. So raising money of smart, wise, smart kids. Sign up for that. Lance's Daily Commentary. Check out our YouTube channel. Check out the Financial Infidelity. Pass it on. You might be Fidelity. Pass it on to people who might need the help. We appreciate you. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks for tuning in.